Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's Strategy Academy podcast with Health Pro Heritage. I'm Christy Smith, VP of Clinical Strategies, and with me, I have Jason Sasser, VP of Clinical Strategies for our Home Health Division. Hey, Jason. Hey, everybody. Hey, Christy. So we are back today with part six of our eight-part reimbursement series for home health partners out there. And if you listen to part five, you already know what today is. But um, this part is uh, how low can you go with that cash flow, part two. And it's the importance of specialty programs. So this will be a really great one as well. Um, But I encourage you, if you haven't listened to part five, to do that first and then come back to part six. But let's just dive right into it, Jason, and let's just set the tone for our listeners out there and how are specialty programs different from the care pathways that we talked about in the previous episode? So if you had listened to the previous podcast, you kind of heard me say that care pathways were designed for the overall broad scope of the clinical grouping, where specialty programs focus on specific diagnosis groups and how to significantly treat those patients. Uh, care Pathways really gives the detailed specifications for treatment, education, and improvement for the patient's whole clinical presentation. Gotcha. Now, what would you say is the most important part of a specialty program? So this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of people (laughs) would agree. (laughs) Um, But I believe that uh, it's definitely education. You know, clinical research suggests that around 60% of patients don't understand their disease process at all. And that's kind of sad, you know, to hear that. And I kind of witnessed that myself in the field treating patients. Um, uh, Take, for instance, a COPD patient. Um, They don't even know what COPD is, what causes it, what exacerbates it, uh, what can they do to help themselves, what is their medication actually for, you know, how does their diet, activity, and exercise uh, influence their lifestyle, and so on. Um, So most of the time, if they know some of the key principles, uh, then you will have a patient who is more compliant and who will listen and want to improve which is great, you know, as a therapist or a nurse, uh, they just need for us to explain it to them and help them develop a course of treatment and action. That's great. And now what would you say are the advantages, especially financially for agencies to have specialty programs? Uh, there's a couple of things for one, you can market to specialty care physicians such as orthopedic cardiologists, endocrinologists, ENT surgical, and the list can go on and on. You know, if you have these specialty programs that are based on clinically researched treatment plans and education, you can actually provide top tier, tier care and treatment uh, to their patients um, and kind of help decrease noncompliance and the hospital risk. In addition, um, it helps that you can take actually higher acuity patients than possibly your competition down the street, which actually means more revenue coming in your way through increased referrals and admissions. Awesome. Now, what are some ways that agencies can improve their specialty programs if they currently have some in place? So I would definitely, for one, go to uh, the physicians that I had mentioned above, the specialty physicians. I would get protocols for the types of patients that will send you. And every doctor will be different. Even a group of orthopedic doctors will all have different protocols for their specific patients. That's one thing I've learned, just a hint of, uh, you know, a little helpful hint there. Uh, So make sure that, you know, you complete the protocol per physician, what they actually want. Um, then update those protocols at least once a year. It gives you a reason to kind of go back and talk to them saying, hey, you can take them data. We've had these patients for a year. Here's your improvement. You know, over the past year, of course, do you want to change anything in your protocol? So it's just a good, a good way to, you know, like I say, to uh, give top-tier treatment. Also, you can partner with an ALF or an ILF to get protocols from them as well. A lot of people don't think about that, but that's actually a good um, scope of practice to do as well. Uh, you can ask them, 
you know, there are times of the day that they prefer you to come and do treatments. Like a lot of ALS don't want you to come during lunchtime or nap time. Um, where do you need to park and who do you need to speak to or contact every time you're in the facility? It really builds a level of trust and superb customer service with them. Um, you can also meet with uh, clinicians that are specialized in certain areas, uh, such as Parkinson's, heart disease, and wound care. You have a lot of these people on your team, I'm sure. Also, I would recommend know all your clinicians. That's one thing that kind of when I was in the field and I was actually having to go out and sell to positions and do specialty programs, I knew about every one of my nurses and therapists and all their years of experience. Just to give you an example, I had uh, three cardiac nurses and one wound care nurse, and they all had together uh, around 226 years of experience. So I was very confident going to a doctor and saying, hey, let me take care of your patients based on these nurses I have with all this experience. So, you know, really use your team to help sell um, and they can help, you know, develop specific specialty programs for the future as well. Now, what are some ways that Health for Heritage can help agencies out there with specialty program planning and implementation? So the good thing about that is we've already done a lot of the work for you, <laughs> you know, especially us and yeah. strategies, you know, this Christy, uh, we've researched a lot of the programs such as safe transitions, fall prevention, Otago, CHF, et cetera. All that has the uh, research and implementation ready for your agencies to use. So just call me. <laughs> we <Yeah>. can also uh, <laughs> help develop specific programs through our consulting. We can do that as well. You know, uh, one example is I had an agency up in West Virginia who had a lot of uh, patients that had black lung disease. You know, you've heard about that. The coal miners had the black lung disease. So we developed actually a specialty program for black lung specific because that was the high level of patients that they saw in their area. So we can really just kind of come together as a team, work with your nurses and your therapists and develop specialty programs. If you have things like that in your area, so just give us a call. That's awesome. Well, any additional questions that our listeners might have out there? Do you want to share your contact information too, Jason? Yeah, feel free to contact me at jsasser at healthforheritage.com or you can contact us through clinical strategies at healthforheritage.com as well. Awesome. And as always, if you have any questions about the podcast, you can always reach me at strategypodcast at healthpro-heritage.com. Jason, you want to give our listeners a little insight into um, episode seven and eight coming our way in a little yep. bit here? Yeah, we're going to wrap up this financial series with these two episodes. Uh, the next one will be documentation for a deposition, your only defense under value-based care. And then the last one is getting a seat at the table, how ACO and BPCIA partnerships are essential going forward. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully you're finding this reimbursement series helpful. And thanks so much, Jason, for your insight and knowledge as always. Thanks. Y'all have a good day. You too.